Hello, and welcome to the Christ Lutheran Church Sermon Podcast. This is Matthew Best. I serve as pastor of Christ Lutheran Church in Allison Hill in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here. If today's message connects with you and what you're going through, brings you inspiration, or offers connection with God, I ask you to please stay on after the message for just a few moments to learn ways to connect with the congregation and the health ministries that we offer. And now, let's dive into God's Word. A reading from the prophet Hosea, chapter 11, verses 1 to 9. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They sacrificed to the Baals. They burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. But they did not realize it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Will they not return to Egypt, and will not Assyria rule over them, because they refuse to repent? A sword will flash in their cities, and it will devour their false prophets and put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Even though they call me God Most High, I will by no means exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Edma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I devastate Ephraim again. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One among you. I will not come against their cities. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I saw a meme the other day that uh, it's kind of like a, a restaurant review type of thing, except it had humanity and it had one star, and and it said and it said would not recommend. <laughs> humanity as a whole uh, is is um, it was very trying, right? Individuals. Are great. We love individuals. It's wonderful. Even small groups and whatnot, but humanity as a whole has been extremely difficult. I want to read um, a little something. Uh, well, I'll tell you more than anything else. Uh, there's this, this book that I had just finished reading not too long ago. It's called Cast. It's by Isabel Wilkerson. It's an excellent book. Excellent, excellent book. It talks about race and caste and how those are related, and it gets into all sorts of things. It's a difficult read, but it's very good. And in one chapter, uh, to give you a sense, caste is kind of this thing that people are born into, and they're, uh, the, she describes it as race is the flesh, caste is the bones. And so it's the system underneath that that drives it, and there are expectations, and if you don't fit those expectations the system will work to make you fit those expectations. And, uh, and so she is, she's taking a look at caste in uh, the three places where caste has been used, which is, of course, India is, is the oldest caste system in the world, Nazi Germany, 
and the United States, where there has been caste as well. And so she's, she's got this one chapter called Euphoria of Hate. It was a real uplifting idea. And she's describing uh, being in a Berlin museum and she's watching film footage. It's a silent film. And the film was taken from Saturday, July 6, 1940, at precisely 3 p.m. And there's no commentary to explain it. It's a silent film, and so all you do is you just see. And what it is, it's, it is uh, Hitler returning to Berlin after the Germans have seized Paris. So they conquered France, and it's this parade in, and the streets are jam-packed with tens of thousands of people that looks like confetti because confetti's going around and then there's people and the people are so small dots so that the picture could try to, to capture the scene that, that, that it just, the people look like they are uh, confetti. And so people are laughing, there's jubilation and they're waiting there for their hero, Adolf Hitler, to come and then it gets into him doing his speech and um, and it's just a repeating loop of that video and this is what she said I thought to myself did the German people know the carnage they were celebrating yes it turns out clips of bombing rains were shown during newsreels before the feature film at the cinema they knew the French had been violently defeated. It was just two years past Kristallnacht. That's when the, the Nazis uh, took over. They knew that Jewish friends and neighbors had been rounded up, publicly humiliated, taken away, and never seen again. The people in the crowd were smiling and happy. Everything that happened to the Jews in Europe, to African Americans during the lynching terrors of Jim Crow, to Native Americans as their land was plundered and their numbers decimated, to Dalits, which are the untouchables in India, considered so low that their very shadow polluted those deemed above them, happened because a big enough majority had been persuaded and had been open to being persuaded centuries ago or in the recent past that these groups were ordained by God as beneath them, subhuman, deserving of their fate. Those gathered on that day in Berlin were neither good nor bad. They were human, insecure, and susceptible to the propaganda that gave them an identity to believe in, to feel chosen and important. Humanity, one star, would not recommend. I give that as a context for this reading because there's, there's a lot going on and we talked a lot about this in, in uh, the Bible study. The prophet Hosea is around uh, 700 BC-ish, give or take a little bit on both sides over the course of five kings. Um, and, and Hosea starts off to give you a sense of this. Hosea, the, verse 2, starts off with God telling Hosea, and this is, this is the English translation, go marry a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom 
because the land has been a land of whoredom. Now, what does that mean? Whew, first of all, <laughs> Israel and God have a relationship. And Israel has not been faithful to that relationship. God sees it as like a marriage relationship. And when Israel has had these relationships, in this case at that time period, the northern kingdom is seeking out assistance from Assyria to the north, and Judah is seeking assistance from Egypt to the south. They pay those empires for protection. And the price of that is, great, you're going to adopt some of our culture and our gods. And the Canaanite religion is a religion in which there were fertility, it's a fertility religion. And so there was, as part of the practice, sexual acts as part of the worship. This was very tempting to the Israelites. So if God sees God's relationship with Israel as one of marriage, and Israel, the people of Israel, were worshiping other gods that required sexual practices, no wonder the beginning of Hosea says, go marry a wife of whoredom. It's symbolic to what Israel had been doing by cheating on God. And throughout this, Hosea is, is not a fun book to read, given all that context. It's, it's interesting, because I think it says a lot about humanity. humanity it, Hosea is not just God's words prophesying and, and saying, hey, you're, you're, not, you're not doing this. Hosea is also saying a lot about what humanity is like. We hear that in our scripture today. We hear about God and we hear about humanity. We hear about humanity in the sense of, look, you've been, you've been doing all of these things. Where is it here? It's... Um, you haven't realized all of this. You, you've sacrificed to the Baals, which are the false gods. It's just a, a generic term for that. And burned incense to images. You didn't realize that it was I who healed you. And they've been unfaithful over and over and over and over again. But listen to what God says in this. Listen to the tenderness that God has for people who have been unfaithful for forever, over and over again. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. This is the birth story of a nation, essentially. And the more they were called, the more they went away from me. They kept pushing away. You know, I'm struck by that because there's so often... Like, I, I, I watch things happen, and I think this is like the exact opposite of what Jesus calls us to do. 
And this is what, as a society, as a world, whatever, we seem very intent on doing the exact opposite of what God has called us to. Jesus being the way of peace, and we continually seek out ways of destruction and violence. Go and feed, and we find ways to do the exact opposite. Welcome the stranger, and we do things that are exact opposite, and, and so much more. Israel's story is not just about Israel. God continues, it was I who taught Ephraim, that's another name for Israel, to walk, taking them up in my arms. Again, hear, the, hear this relationship that is going on. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek, and I bent down to feed them. Over and over, God has been faithful. And you get this question, will, will they not return to Egypt? And will not Assyria rule over them because they refuse to repent? This doesn't have to be an angry God. Often we think about the Old Testament as, oh, God's really angry and cranky in the Old Testament. And, and then we got something different in the New Testament. But God's just saying, there's consequences. And it doesn't mean that God has to get really angry and punish you, you walk off the edge of a building, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall. Not because God is angry, but because gravity exists. It's a consequence of this. And throughout human history, how many times have we seen nations try to butter up to empires? And what happens? Empires don't care. They're narcissistic. They take what they want and they destroy. Every single empire that's ever existed has always acted the same way. Humanity, one star. Always. There is not an example in human history in which an empire has ever been benevolent, which has ever cared about the people that have been under them. This is what God is saying. And then when we get to the end, how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboyim? Adma and Zeboyim are uh, part of the cities of the plain, is what they were called. There were five cities, and this goes back to the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. There were five cities that were destroyed. And, and so God is asking, how can, I, how can I treat you like these cities? That the reason why they were destroyed is because of they were not showing hospitality. They were being cruel. They were toxic. That was the consequence. How can I treat you like that, Israel, when I have raised you? For those of us who have children, think about that. This is, what it, this is what God is saying, is Israel is God's child, who God has raised and loved and nurtured and taught 
How can I abandon you? Does it sound like a story in the New Testament? It sounds to me, the first thing I thought of when I, I read this was the prodigal son. It's the story of the prodigal son. The, the prodigal son, there's an older and a younger brother and the father, and the younger brother says, give me my inheritance now. And, he, and so the father does, and he goes off, and he does whatever he's going to do, and he ends up blowing all the money. And he realizes, uh, I'm going to starve to death. I'm going to go back and I'll just be a servant in my father's home. And he comes back ready to tell his father that. And his father sees him from a distance and runs out to him and puts a robe on him and a ring and slaughters the fatted calf and has a feast This is what we hear in Hosea. God has always been consistent. It's not that the Old Testament God is a God of anger and the New Testament is a God of love. God has been consistent. Those things are certainly there. But we hear it in, in Hosea of God having compassion and love and grace. This is really what this is about because when we get to it, what happens? My heart is changed within me and all my compassion is aroused. This is God speaking. What's changed with Israel? What's changed with Israel? Absolutely nothing. They are unfaithful. And yet, God doesn't follow that. God, it says, for I am God, not a human, the Holy One among you, I will not come against their cities. It's God who has changed. It's God who shows compassion. It's God who doesn't judge based on what they deserve. It's grace. It's a God of grace. God of grace in the midst of people that continuously over and over again, not only go a different way, but go the opposite way. It's almost like Humanity has been giving the finger to God. That's what it feels. That's essentially what this is about. And yet God takes that and says, my love is more powerful. My love is what conquers, not violence, not might. My love is far more important. My love is what gives life. And they may not see it. They may not appreciate it. They may not respond in kind. But that doesn't matter. Because this is who God is. This is what God does. This is the character of who God is. And so when we think about this in terms of our life, let's move forward over 2,000 years to today. Where do we see this? Where do we see that kind of grace, that kind of love? You're not going to see it in the news, or maybe you might see that 30-second bright spot at the end of the news or something like that, which is ridiculous, right? But I think we see it in a variety of different ways. I know for me, one of the, one of the ways that I have seen it uh, the last couple of years, we've been doing this uh, blanket project 
And, and last year we had blankets made from people from across the country, 42 different states made blankets, people that, I'm one of the organizers, I don't even know who most of these people were, and I don't know how they heard about it. It's amazing, but they made blankets for people that they would never meet as an act of love, an act of grace. We had over 1,100 blankets, and we gave them all out because they're not our blankets. They're for people who are in need. And it's also to say, hey, there's something wrong with our systems when we got this going on, and yet we're called to love. That's not easy to do, especially in a world in which has wars going on in which so often we're called to just take sides and say this side is bad or this side is bad or whatever the case may be. And we've got corruption going on and we've got all these other bad things that are going on. How are we called to live? Not in response, but what is God calling us to live? God is calling us to take the world, which oftentimes we think is right side up, but it's upside down. This is what Jesus does. Jesus right sides. God has been right siding the world. Even as, as much as humanity has been trying to keep twisting that around again, God is patient and consistent in right siding it. And that key is love. That's what we're called to. It's costly, it's painful. But anything that's worthwhile is that way. That's what God calls us to, to show love, not because somebody deserves it, to show compassion, to show mercy and grace, to share what we can share, whatever that may be, to be present, to listen. It's not about being a good person so much as it is being faithful. We're going to mess up, but thankfully God does the same thing with us because we've also been those people who have turned away from God and said, we know better. And thankfully God has loved us and continues to love us and will continue to love us and forgive us and give us grace. And so because of that, we can go and do that with others. That's good news. Very good news. Thanks be to God. Thank you again for listening to the Sermon Podcast. I'm always happy to have a conversation or pray with you. Please reach out either by email to pastor at ChristHarrisburg.org or call me at 717-236-8382. I'd also invite you to be part of worship on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m., we're a very diverse, open, affirming, and laid-back congregation. Christ Lutheran Church is located at 124 South 13th Street in Harrisburg. Parking is along the street. You can enter the building through the side entrance on South 13th Street or at the corner of 13th and Thompson Streets. And lastly, check us out on the web. Our website is ChristHarrisburg.org. There you can learn more about and offer your support for the congregation as well as the health ministries 
and free clinics that we provide to people in need in our neighborhood. I invite you to follow us on Facebook and Instagram also at Christ Lutheran Harrisburg. Thank you. I look forward to connecting with you, and I pray that you have a blessed week.